0: passage above he says they shall never enter my rest therefore since it still remains for some to enter that rest and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience God again set a certain day calling it today this he he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you.
1: Well, good morning. If I've not met you yet, my name is Bijan, the pastor for our church. And let's pray before we get into today's sermon. Our God, a few moments ago, we sang that you are the high king of heaven our king forever. And as we gather this morning, we acknowledge that for some of us, your being king is hard to understand. We don't know why you allow certain things and do certain things and why certain things are happening or haven't happened in our lives. For others, we're coming to you today because we need something. There's something on our minds, something that we've brought into this place that we need an answer about or direction on. For others, we're not really sure why we're here. We're just here. And wherever we are, we proclaim again, even when it's hard for us to do so, that you are the high King of heaven. And we ask you to meet us today. Where we're feeling joy, we ask that you would strengthen us. Where we're feeling sad and sorrow, we ask that you would comfort us. Where we're feeling unsure, we pray that you would guide us. Where we need peace, we pray that you would provide it. You are the high king of heaven. And so be sufficient for us today. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Now today is the final week in our sermon series exploring what the Bible says about work, about jobs and career and vocation. And today what we're going to explore is the relationship of work and rest. The very first time the Bible talks about work, in the very same verse, it talks about rest. According to the Bible, work and rest go hand in hand. You're not going to work well if you don't rest well. Now, our main passage for today's sermon is Hebrews chapter 4, the passage that was just read, but we will also be thinking about and considering some other texts today. And let me just say, for some of you as we gather in this place, you are experiencing extended or unwanted unemployment. And you're thinking a sermon on rest. I have too much time on my hands. Others of you really struggle with overwork and finding rest. Wherever you are on that spectrum, can't we all agree that whether we want more things to do or more work or whether we feel like we have too much, what our souls deeply need is rest And more than that, to actually experience rest in a city like this. And so wherever we are in relationship to our work and our jobs and vocation, verse 9 of our passage says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's what's in front of us today. So let's look at this text. Let's look at this idea and ask the question, Sabbath rest, why do we need it? What is it? And how can we practice it? So Sabbath rest. Why do you need it? What it is, what Sabbath? And how can we be a people who practice Sabbath? So let's take a look first. Why do we need it? The answer in a phrase is probably you're tired. If you're like me, if you're like many people in our city, you're exhausted. And I don't mean tired, the kind of tired that you can cure with a good couple nights sleep. I mean a kind of soul exhaustion a weariness, a bone tiredness that no matter what you do, it just seems to get stronger and you can't shake it. And here's what's interesting. As a people, as a city, as a society, I think we'd say, yeah, we're exhausted. We're tired. And yet when you come to the Bible, and some of you I know are new to scripture, new to Christianity, new to the Bible. Here's what's interesting. God is constantly commanding his people to rest. And he's not just saying, hey, take a rest. He's commanding them. In the Old Testament, God actually judges his people for failing to take a day off. There's punishment in the Bible for not resting. God is serious about what we might call Sabbath and rest. And so we even have here in our passage today in Hebrews 4, I'll admit it's a bit of a dense passage and it requires a lot of work to get at every part of it. So today we're just doing a summary. But the background that the author of Hebrews 4 is thinking about is the Old Testament story of the Exodus. God had brought his people up out of Egypt and he freed them from their bondage. And he said, I'm going to bring you to the promised land, the land of rest. And yet, as you see in verse 2 of our passage, even though God gave them this wonderful invitation for rest, the text says the message that they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. There's a lot there we could unpack, but here's the summary. God says to his people, I want you to rest. But the people, instead of entering into God's promise, saw something in front of them that was distracting that was a challenge. And as a result, their attention shifted off God's promise, and they never experienced his rest. They were more distracted by the challenges in front of them than God's promise to them. And so they missed out on rest. And so the application for us today is, what are the things that contribute to our tiredness, our soul's exhaustion? What are the things that keep you from experiencing God's rest. Rich Valotis, he's a pastor in New York, and he's helped me think a lot about Sabbath. He captured our comprehensive tiredness perfectly. Listen to what he says. The fatigue that we experience is multi-layered. Can I get an amen? There is the fatigue of the body. We don't get as much sleep as we need. We push our bodies to the limit. There's also the fatigue of the mind. In a given day, we are bombarded with ceaseless information, and we have no time to absorb or process. And then ultimately, he says, there's the fatigue of the soul. We are people who have little margin to be with God and to foster a life-giving rhythm for the long haul. Comprehensive, layered, multidirectional tiredness. Body, soul, spirit. Exhausted. Now I just want to press into this for a few minutes and say, when we think about tiredness, when you look at your own life, probably there are some surface level reasons for why we're so tired, and then there's a deeper reason. I want to talk about both for a second. So surface level, why are we so tired? Part of the answer is that we are tempted to look for security, safety, and getting more, more money, more things more experiences, even more relationships. One of the reasons our souls are so tired is because we think if we get a little bit more, then we'll be at peace. But as you know, the more you get, the more you want and the more you need. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the story of the Sabbath. When God brought his people, as I said, out of Egypt, he wanted them to start taking one day per week to rest, to just delight and be with him. So God says, look, I'm going to give you food that you have to go out and get six days a week. But on the seventh day, I don't want you to do any work. And so to make sure you have enough food on day six, I'm going to give you double. And you know what the people did? (laughs) Instead of saying to God, God, thank you. That's you want us to rest. That's so generous. We'll get double on the sixth day and we'll rest on the seventh. You know what they did? They got double on the sixth day and then they went back out on the seventh want more. And if you know the story in Exodus 16, when the people did that, what they went to gather on that seventh day spoiled because they were running against the grain of the universe that God is inviting his people to rest. And so for each of us, part of the reason why it's hard to rest, why it's hard to slow down is because we think if I do a little more, I'm going to get more and then I'm going to be okay. Another reason why we're so tired is some of us have very demanding jobs. These might be jobs you're compensated for, might be volunteer things that you do, but we have a lot going on in our life. And you feel like, if I'm going to keep up with my colleagues, if I'm going to satisfy the demands of my boss, I just got to keep going. I can't stop. And then, of course, this is maybe the most obvious, another reason we're so tired, which you might call technology and working remotely, Say it this way, COVID made working everywhere possible. So now we work anywhere and we never really stop. We're always accessible. We're always on. And the result of that is we have an inability. It's difficult for us to disconnect our working lives from everything else. There was a study done a couple of years ago that was published in an article called The Cult of Overwork." And the survey was asking a lot of uh, people working in cities like London, do you overwork? And the resounding answer was yes. And when they pressed further, they realized that the main reason people overworked was not actually because of the demands of their bosses. It was because they couldn't shut off their inner drive to do more. One person said that in a company, a consulting firm, the company was seeing people overworking and that actually is not good for productivity. So the company mandated, you can't come to the office on weekends. This was pre-COVID. You can't come to the office on weekends. And you know what people did? They just started taking their laptops home on Friday night and working at home. And the article was pointing out, listen, companies can make all the rules they want, but there's something going on inside that keeps us unable to stop. So those are some of the surface-level reasons. Why do we keep going? But there's a deeper reason, and the deeper reason is much more important and more foundational. It's spiritual. Why do we struggle with rest? Why do we feel so bone-tired? Because our souls are restless. In 2003, there was a woman called Judith Shulovitz. She wrote an article titled, Bring Back the Sabbath, 2003. And she said... Why as a society do we need to bring back the concept of Sabbath? She says it's the one day a week that's given to quieting the eternal murmur of self-reproach that sounds in our souls. One day a week given to quieting the eternal murmur of self-reproach. Do you know what that is? That's the nagging voice inside of you that says, you're not okay. Okay. You need to do more, you need to perform, you need to achieve, you need to produce. And it never goes away. And this is why no matter what we do, we always feel like we need to do more. We need to produce more. We need to have more influence, more relationships, more opportunities. There's an eternal murmur going on in our souls. You're not okay. You're not accepted. You're not loved. And You have to do more. And the Sabbath, Judith Shulevitz says, that was meant to still that voice. We'll come back to that in a couple of moments. But can you see the deep reason for our tiredness? It's spiritual. As St. Augustine said almost 2,000 years ago, our souls were made for God, and they will be restless until they rest in Him. That's the deep reason. And you can cure all the surface level stuff. But if you don't get to the deeper reason for your restlessness, you know, you can put your phone in a drawer and take days off and go on holidays. But if you don't get at that eternal inner murmur, we are going to be exhausted. So the question then is, well, what is the Sabbath? If that's why we need it, we're bone tired. What is the Sabbath? Now, if you come back to me, uh, come back with me to Hebrews 4. Here's what I want you to see. The historical background for the passage, right? The people of God were brought out of Egypt. They were wanting to go into the promised land. Initially, they missed it. But now come down to verse 8. Eventually, a man called Joshua leads the people of God into the promised land. And it says, verse 8, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Here's what's interesting. The people were told, come to the land, have your rest. They missed it initially. But eventually, Joshua brings them in. They got everything they ever wanted. They were home. And were they rested? Of course not. Because there was still that eternal inner murmur. There was that voice of self-reproach. Even when all their dreams came true, they still weren't at peace. And so the passage goes on to say, there remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The Sabbath that God promises, the deep rest that he wants to give you is not just a day. It's not just a place. It's not just an experience. You might say it's a quality of life. It's a condition or a state of being in which that eternal inner murmur is silenced. So here's how we can define Sabbath. Sabbath is meant to be Sabbath rest is the one day a week where you learn to discipline yourself To experience subjectively what's already true of you objectively. Say that again. Sabbath is the day during the week that you discipline yourself to experience subjectively what's already true of you objectively. What does it mean to be a Christian? A Christian is someone who realizes I'm saved by grace, I'm saved not because of my performance. I'm saved not because of the things I do, but purely because of what Jesus has done. Because he came down and his achievement, his performance brought me into God's family. Do we live like that? Do you live in the world as a person who's loved and knows they're safe and secure? Of course not. We all have ways in which there's a disconnect between what we know to be true and what we experience in our daily life. And Sabbath is the day that we're meant to discipline ourselves to say, how do we press in farther to know that we live as people who are loved? Earlier, I quoted Rich Velotis. He says again, Sabbath keeping might be the greatest sign of grace because it's while we're intentionally accomplishing nothing that God loves us. On the day that you stop, God says, I love you. Not because of what you do, but because you're mine. Your worth, your value is not based on your achievement and performance. You're just brought into my family by grace. And on the Sabbath, we learn how to experience our sonship or our being daughters of God because he's brought us in purely as an act of love. That's what the Sabbath is meant to be. That means if you're a Christian, you can't lose God's love when you fall off the wagon and you fall short of your standards. But you also can't earn more of it. By doing good things and performing and producing. You're loved and safe just because of what Jesus has done. And Sabbath is the day we're meant to live into that. The word Sabbath literally means to stop. And it's the day during the week where you stop. And just be and allow yourself to live in God's grace and love. That's what it is. So the question is, and this is where we'll conclude. Well, how do we practice it? If you're like me you would be happy to admit and confess, I need more rest in my life. But rest is elusive. Rest is hard to get to. So how do we become a people who practice Sabbath rest? The answer is we need grit and we need grace. We need grit and we need grace. So let me say something about grit. Practicing Sabbath will take discipline. If you come down to verse 11 of our passage, the text says, let us therefore make every effort... To enter that rest. That's a little bit of a irony, isn't it? Work really hard to rest. But if you know anything about trying to be a person who rests, you know that's true. That rest isn't easy. It doesn't come naturally. Judith Shulovitz, who again I mentioned earlier, said this in that great article. Most people mistakenly believe that all you have to do to stop working is not work. But the inventors of the Sabbath understood that it was much more complicated undertaking. So let's talk a little about grit. How do we become a people who practice Sabbath? First, Sabbath has to be obedience. Some of you, when I talk about rest in a day off, you're like, sign me up, I want that. But for others, actually you're hardwired to reject the idea of resting. You think, oh, other people need that, but not me. I can handle it, I have a high stress level, my job is so demanding, I've got this. And you justify your overwork and your inability to rest. And overworking is actually a respectable sin still in our culture. And so we just go on and on and on and we overwork. But listen, if Sabbath is something God's inviting us into, then it's much as an act of obedience to him as it is anything else. And I'll be the first to say, I'm preaching to myself. I'm not particularly good at resting or taking a Sabbath. And so for me, this invitation is much as an act of obedience as it is anything else. And I promise you, you will always find reasons why you shouldn't rest. There'll always be excuses. There'll always be things that are threatening to keep you from experiencing a kind of deep rest. So what should you do practically? Start where you can. If right now you can't find 24 hours in your life by which you take a day to rest, start where you can. Also plan ahead. You don't get to go, 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 and then all of a sudden turn it all off. Resting well means being prepared and planning for it. And then, of course, we never really change apart from community. So maybe find a couple of people in the church and say, hey, this Sabbath thing, should we try to do it together? Should we keep each other accountable? It's the way we change. So it's an act of obedience. But second, Sabbath is meant to be resistance, That is, we're resisting the idol of productivity. And that idol is strong. So we are going to have to go against the grain of our city, sometimes against the grain of culture. And it's not always going to be easy to do so, but we're going to have to be intentional. And third, Sabbath is meant to be delight. When Jesus talked about Sabbath, he said Sabbath was made for people and not people for the Sabbath. That is, this is not to meant, This is meant to be something you delight in. And so I ask you, when was the last time you did something that was life-giving? Something that brought you delight? Those are the kinds of things that should be filling our life on the Sabbath. On the day that we say we're going to stop our work, whether that work is paid or unpaid. And we're just going to rest. What would bring you delight? Go after it. The Sabbath was given as God's gift to people. Great, so much more we can say about that. And by the way, if you were with us on our weekend away last year, there's a whole section in the Rule of Life booklet on Sabbath, much more than I can get into today. Use it, it could be helpful. But let me finally, as we close and we're coming to the Lord's Supper today, let me just say something about Sabbath and grace. Say it this way. In the book of Genesis, we learned a few weeks ago that God is the first person to work. And he's the first person to rest. Genesis 2 verse 2 says this. God finished his work. He saw that it was good. And then he rested. Now question. Does God get tired? Of course not. God wasn't like, oh, this was a rough week. I need to take a day. For God to rest doesn't mean he's tired. When God rests, here's what he's saying. What I've made is good, and now it's finished. Nothing needs to be added to it. It's as it should be. All is as I want it. Why don't you rest? Because at some profound level, you look at your life and you say, I'm not as I should be. My life is not as it should be. And so we work. We try to climb the ladder at our job. Or we try to find those relationships. Or we try to please our parents. Or we try to be really religious and moral. And we think if I can just do enough, then I'll be able to look at myself and know I'm okay, I'm good. But that eternal murmur never goes away. What do we need? We need to see the other who said it's finished. You see, God in the work of creation made the world. He said, it's good, I'm finished, and he rested. But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he lived among us, lived a perfect life. And yet at the end of his life, the Lord Jesus went to the cross. And hours before he died on the cross, he prayed to God, his father, and he said, I finished the work that you gave me to do. He finished it. And as he hung on that cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. What's he taught? What's finished? Not the work of creation, but the work of salvation. You see, on the cross, Jesus was dying in your place for you. And what that means is, if you trust in him, when we come to the table now, if by faith, you surrender yourself to him, that means that when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying in your place. That on that day, God treated Jesus as you deserved. So that on this day, God would treat you as he deserved. Do you know what that means? The very beginning of his ministry, Jesus was baptized. And when he came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven. Literally heaven itself spoke. And the voice said, this, Jesus, is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. I delight in him. The voice the father said from heaven. And friends do you realize. That if you trust in Jesus Christ. If you allow him to be your sacrificial substitute. If you realize that on the cross he died in your place. That that means today at this moment. When Jesus looks at you. When the father looks at you. He says you. You. Are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And I am well pleased in you. You are good. The work is finished. You're safe. Friends only when you see that. Only when that truth becomes real to you. Can you practice Sabbath rest. And can you take a day a week to say, I'm gonna experience today subjectively what's true of me objectively, that the Father looks at me in Jesus and says, you're good, you're loved, you're safe, and I'm pleased. That's what we get to experience every every Sabbath. That's what we experience as we come to the table. So let's pray now as we prepare for this time. Our God, thank you for meeting us today in your word. And as we come now to the table, we pray that you would meet us in power, that you would help us to experience in truth in the deepest parts of our soul. The fact that you look at us in grace and love, that we are safe in Jesus, and that nothing can take us away from his love. Many of us today are weary, we're tired, we're we're run down, we're carrying way too much. We need your rest. So quiet that eternal murmur help us to see ourselves as clothed in the perfection of Jesus to know that we're delighted in and loved and to rest we pray this in Jesus name and for his glory amen